Sure. I'll talk it out. Yeah. Let's just have a conversation. Track three. <clears throat> Better not be fucking Dave Matthews band. Okay. Those of you who don't want to be a part of this can leave now. Derek, please listen to me. But if you choose to stay, which it seems like you guys are choosing. Derek, please. You understand and agree to the following terms and conditions. Derek! One. Derek, this is the virus. You talking. hereby waive your right Derek, please. to your own personal bodily integrity. This is not you. Two. Per the state versus Neville Reed. My colleague and I will not be held criminally liable for any felony or misdemeanor that you may be a victim of, including, but not limited to, aggravated assault, aggravated battery, disorderly conduct, destruction of property, mayhem, and first-degree murder. And three, terms and conditions may change or be updated whenever the fuck I want! Consider yourselves notified. All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. I got news for you, pal. You ain't leading but two things right now. Jack and shit. Jack left town. Well, hello, Mr. Fancy Pants. I was just in my office and I heard a rocket. Describe the rocket, sir. Does this mean we're not friends anymore? I'm in my prime. I'm in my Ain't it cool? First you want to kill me, now you want to kiss me. Blow. Good. Bad. I'm the guy with the gun. What up, everyone? DJ Nubis. Here with you on the Metal Time Radio Podcast, episode 193 of the Hordes of Chaos. Oh my god, we are almost up to episode 200! You 200! And so, Neko's back in the house! I am, I am! It was quite the the extravaganza to get home uh, when you're traveling from Southeast Asia back to the East Coast of the U.S. It's several days in travel time and boy man when i first got home i just collapsed it was and I, I, I slept like a whole day <laughs> right but uh it's good to have her back and uh we got a lot of good stuff to talk about today as well as um 
some great music coming your way. Brand new stuff. Got some new casket casket robbery who were just at the Tennessee Metal Devastation Tour uh, not too long ago. Also got uh, ingested new stuff from them. Vomit Forth, who I just saw with Nomos uh, a couple weeks ago. New Annihilation Process was waiting for a long time for this particular record. Glad it finally showed up. Uh, great Rock Pluck. We don't have Neko's Pick of the Week yet, but we'll get back on track on that in the next podcast after that. New Aurora Borealis. Also got new Rising Fall. Epica, as well as Democracy. And then, of course, we got some topics in the form of... We're going to talk a little bit of tragedy, unfortunately, uh, with uh, college. We'll get into that early and often. Then we'll get back into more traditional topics. One will be an idea that Neko came up with about reviewing Master of Puppets. And it's not so much a review. I, what it's kind I, of like a look back on it, really. Um, my, So I got the idea because I've, I've been helping... When I'm away, I, I still try to help DJ Anubis a little bit. And I was helping him do some um, some videos for his YouTube channel that were pertaining to um, music. And he was doing like his top thrash albums and one of them was Master of Puppets. And I, you know, just because I was listening to a little bit of the songs and stuff, I started thinking like, you know, Master of Puppets itself was way ahead of its time, you know, lyrically and musically. And we'll get into some of the reasons why they were just, I mean, it's this, when did Master of Puppets? 86. Yeah, 86. So we're, we're talking about a, a very old album that people are really rediscovering now because of Stranger Things, if they've never heard it. And there's some younger people who, um, you know, maybe they didn't hear so much of Metallica's older albums because they you know a lot of times things kind of gravitate towards the newer and um you know they saw stranger things and were like oh my gosh this is really cool i just i started listening to some of the old songs and i started like really reading some of the lyrics and i was like there's just so much to this album that i don't even know if Metallica did it intentionally or if it was just something that free flowed and um, he and I are just going to discuss what we know about the album and really like kind of put our take on the album itself so this isn't really a review it's more like a it's legacy basically yeah a legacy a little bit of an in-depth um, look back but we're not going to be like, well, we're, we rate this 9 out of 10 or whatever. This isn't meant for ratings. It's meant for understanding... The greatness of yeah, it. Yeah, the greatness of it. How things just... I mean, th this is something that... it, And just me, I know this sounds stupid, but like I, I just stopped in my own tracks kind of like... I just don't give this album enough credit. Honestly, I don't. And I think, you know, the more I listened to it and the more I read some of the lyrics, I, I was pulling some of my own, again, these, these are guesses, what I believe became inspiration right. for it. And so on top of that, we also got, we're going to 
for those that have been following the podcast, I've already done reviews for Don't Worry Darling and Barbarian, but Neko had a chance to check out both of these movies on her travel back, and she wanted to really talk about them, so we're going to go ahead and do some more reviews of that with her, this time giving her input on what she felt about both films. Uh, but a lot to get to, and uh, we're going to kick off our first block of music. As I said, brand new stuff from Annihilation Process. Uh, Sickening Madness is the name of the new record and our debut record. And this is called Human Liquidation. Let's go. 
is Anime from Darken and you are listening to the Holes of Chaos only on Metal Tavern Radio. Gonna talk a little bit of tragedy, not the best of subjects, but I felt like it was important to discuss and it is important to discuss. You um you and I were kinda like talking about this the other day and you know it's hard to um it's hard to send your kids off to college, but then to worry about something like this happening and these two tragedies happen within, you know, a week of each other, I believe. Mm -hmm. So it, it, you, you were just basically saying, how, how do people even send their kids to college anymore? Yeah, well, when we think about, like, or even, in, you know, high schools across the nation, you know, you go all the way back to Columbine and mm -hmm. then Parkland and, and stuff like this, but now, you know, you have shit like the Virginia Tech shootings a few years back and... Mm -hmm. Now you have, like, I have two different tragedies here that are different in nature, but they still deal with young kids at college. And it's like, as a parent, I couldn't even imagine, like, you know, when you send your kids to college, it's supposed to be for a good experience for them preparing for their future and their careers. And now we have to worry about whether or not they get out of there alive. <laughs> and so the first... uh topic is really a little bit more close to home in the sense that Neko and I are Virginia Cavalier fans of the sports program and, and stuff We've like that. We've been there quite a few times. You've been there many times because right. you and Chris Yeah, my best friend happened to be uh, an alumni there. So, uh, But recently, uh, it was a little bit when I heard there was a shooting there, I thought okay, well it sounds like something like you know, someone just walking on campus and starting to shoot up the place. And then I find out that there was like three football players that were shot and killed. And I'm thinking, well, this is a little bit different because it seems like these were targets. And uh, it does turn out that a former football player of the program uh, walked onto a bus, that, which would I assume houses all the, the players for the team, uh, at least from what I can just gathering in my theory i don't they haven't really given out a whole lot of details on it but it was on a bus and one of the guys shot was sleeping at the time so he didn't even see it coming mm. but the players that were lost were deshaun perry devlin chandler and white uh wide receiver standout lavelle davis jr uh there was a couple other guys shot and wounded but uh they survived so i don't know there hasn't really been anything any comments from them yet uh there's some backstory to this that is kind of confusing or at least uh trying to give some sort of idea of why this happened part of it is uh the crime itself was committed by former player christopher darnell jones jr uh, whose father had come out and said that he had complained that he was being bullied and uh, harassed uh, by some other players, although it was never specifically said who. But his dad had told him, you know, just kind of like, you know, 
pay him no mind. Just go about your business, do your, your schoolwork and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but, you know, you never know how bad it is. And plus, I'm sure the father wasn't there on campus to see everything that was going on. Not that shooting anybody is okay because of it. Um, there are outlets and ways to deal with this within the school system itself. Um, you know, whether or not Jones tried to do that at any point, we don't know yet. There's still not a whole lot of information on all this. Uh, but apparently Jones himself had had, like, a prior gun conviction in terms of carrying a weapon on campus that he shouldn't have had, but that was never followed up on. Uh, so one of the things about this article from the, the news feed here for, it looks like, NBC, it says, could the UVA tragedy have been prevented? Uh, scrutiny on the suspect's gun conviction failed background check. And I think that last part is very key. So when I went, when I was 25, to purchase my own handgun for home protection, I, I have no interest in having a gun permit to carry it because that just leads to more problems. So. Mm -hmm. So, but when I went to do that, I had a seven-day waiting period where they had to check my background, make sure I was okay. I think I ended up getting news back within three to four days. So it went faster than they said, but they always say seven days just to be safe. And Virginia gun laws are a lot different than Maryland gun right. laws because in Virginia, if besides Northern Virginia, which is like near um, D.C., mm -hmm. but... In Virginia, it is an open carry state. Right. So their gun laws are a lot different than than Maryland. Like, you can, if you want to just put a gun on a holster and carry it around, it's a little different than here, where it's like you have to have a permit for a gun. Um, and I think that needs to. And Charlottesville is a little bit. It's it's far away from Northern Virginia. Mm -hmm. So. That has to be understood, too, that their gun laws and permitting is a lot different. And I, I think we have a lot of friends who are not from the U.S. And I'm sure we have a lot of listeners that may not be from the U.S. And um, you have to understand that, that each state dictates its own gun laws. So when you hear people kind of saying things like, I, I don't understand how this happened or whatever. If you're in certain states that have very... Um, Loose gun laws. Lo yeah, or... lenient gun laws, or or when you have an open carry state like Virginia or Texas, it's, you, it's a lot easier to get your hands on a gun. But it should be noted that apparently Jones had tried to buy a rifle and a pistol that put him under scrutiny of Virginia State Police, so... Something's still kind of weird about that. Like, we don't even know if the gun he got was actually through uh, an actual Legal gun means. deal. Right. Um, but, you know, it, there's a lot of red flags that popped up with Jones prior to the shooting. So I think that's part of the scrutiny that's happening. Not with just Virginia police, but with UVA as, as well. Like, you told me the other day, I think it was, that, mm -hmm. or maybe it was someone else that uh uva in general is starting to become kind of a, a worse area in terms yeah of yeah life. i was so we haven't been there in a while and um it's been a long while <laughs> a friend of ours well not a friend of ours but we we just we heard an acquaintance basically talking about going to a concert in charlottesville and how much the area has changed um and charlottesville used to be fairly unpopulated except for like they had kind of a main street area 
and like you could go drive out a little bit and there was a shopping mall but there really wasn't much there and it seems like it's grown in population and um what this person was saying was after the pandemic there's a huge homeless problem in charlottesville that wasn't there before and a lot of like stuff that you kind of see in baltimore not to the extent of baltimore but there's a lot of panhandling um a lot of people and you wouldn't expect that because if you've ever been through charlottesville it's a very very nice area like it's not generally something you would say oh it has its fair share of like ghetto areas or low income it didn't have anything it was kind of just out there right but uh apparently jones had been um charged and guilty of a misdemeanor uh carrying a weapon that he shouldn't have but for whatever reason virginia officials didn't follow up on or didn't feel like it was enough to really warrant uh checking into more closely but clearly that was like a red flag especially after coming from the fact that they had a hazing probe which was directly linked to jones so apparently jones did try to reach out to uh, deal with this issue now again I'm not a big fan of hazing I think it's a really juvenile stupid thing to do I agree Um, it's very popular in um, my industry right when you're sailing because there's not always a lot of things to do so like if you get to some kind of milestone like you cross the equator or if you do this or you do that there's all these like little things and I crossed the equator, my not this past job, but my last job, and they do this whole, like, equator crossing ceremony. Now, I'm going to put this out there. Nobody in my company really gets hurt, you know, but there have been times where you can look it up, like, people actually have died from it because they... And that's how all hazing is. And when I didn't want to participate in the equator crossing thing at first i was getting a little bit of a you're not one of us yeah and i'm like have any of you been hazed before like have you ever dealt i mean it's it's almost like what you have to be hazed in order to be accepted yeah and it's funny because to me like your situation and much like anything else so like i used to date a girl that was in a sorority and she was rushing and everything and you would think that's more of a chance to celebrate that moment rather than like put you through some sort of ritual that makes no sense well one of the things but i will say with your case which stands out a little bit different and you're gonna kind of rant on this i'm sure is that it's primarily men so Mm -hmm. you know men act like boys a lot so it, it wouldn't surprise me they do this stuff but some of the stuff that she would tell me they were asking i was like no like she was kind of like kind of fine with it in terms of being part of that clique or that group or that special unit but i said yeah but if it goes wrong then it's going to change your life forever in a sense that wouldn't be good. And then it would, like, if, if somebody... And it would, would leave you with better feelings, and I know you didn't want that, so... And then that's the thing, too, because it always starts off as fun and games, but then somebody takes it too far right? all the time. Now, granted, on this last trip, there was three women. On the trip I was taught before, there was maybe three women. You know, it wasn't a whole lot of us 
ever on these. So the male to female ratio is always off. Mm-hmm. Um, but when, it, when this like ritual that they do, one of the things is if you're a guy, like, you know, Shave your head. get your head shaved. And I was like, there's absolutely no way you're shaving my head or shaving a part of my head or shaving anything. And I can ask them to not do that and I can participate. But then if I get out there and someone takes clippers to my head somewhere and it could happen. And I, I know that sounds like... Yeah, because they may not have been relayed. And, mm-hmm. so. and I, di- I didn't want food thrown at me or garbage thrown at me. And I'm like, I, I know I sound like a wet blanket, but I, I, I said this to the person organizing. I was like, have you ever not been... Have you ever been hazed before? Uh, because here, where I grew up, um, hazing is very popular, especially to freshmen in in high school or if you're a freshman in college and it's a big deal like you get hazed you get uh, i mean i i just watched the movie days of thing confused not that you know rewatched it and um i remember seeing like what they were doing to the freshman girls and then they were um like paddling the boys and stuff and that's why if you ever see um they do they really paddle like that's not that's not you know right that's why when if you ever see anybody who's been in a sorority or fraternity and if they have a paddle that is uh like decorated or hung up or whatever that's their hazing paddle like and and people like celebrate that and i like i do not endorse any sort of hazing because we've seen hazing things it just goes to go right. bad like remember the whole and then there's like it, it gets worse because then there's like this it's on we talk about how police have the blue code and, and it, but it happens at the sorority and fraternity levels as well you got once something bad happens like oh everyone's got to stay shut up don't say anything because it's going to ruin us and put us yeah, off yeah you're going to ruin everything like no one wants to have any accountability and it's even worse because you have uh long-term kids going to these schools with their families they've done beforehand so it's like this big it's tradition right yeah and so it's it's really really sad because then when shit goes wrong it's like well it shouldn't have happened because it's we've done it to everybody it's like no but that's not how this should work (laughs) you gotta be accountable for when bad shit goes bad and so i think really in my opinion it, it when things like this happen it should be more about celebrating people getting into something rather than having somewhat a weird ritual where they've got to go through this whole thing just to become that. Like, if they've already done it, then they've already done it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Anyway, the other uh, incident that happened was in Idaho. And uh, this one's a little more uh, bleaker, I And it's say. mysterious, too. Yeah, yeah. So, in Idaho, uh, the University of Idaho, there's four students that were stabbed to death in their uh, house. And I was describing to NECA that when I saw the pictures uh, online and everything of the house, it's, you know, you have some uh, students who stay in dorms and, and stuff like that. And then even in Virginia, like I think I remember the fraternity houses were all kind of next to each other. So students that were like renting out houses with each other and sharing places we're generally a lot closer, but in Idaho, there's not a lot going on out there in terms of city. So the way this house was, it looked like it was kind of like in the mountains almost. So the where it was at was, was kind of isolated. Now, 
I recently read uh, on this article from CNN that I initially thought it was just to four students in the house. There's two more roommates that survived. Right, and somehow, like, they didn't hear anything because they're saying some of the victims were fighting back. And so now I'm wondering, was there more than one killer? Now, uh, or, you know, uh, is it someone who was in the house? Like, they say they don't think the other two were involved, but, like, Apparently, these murders took place on... It's a three-story house, and they took place on the second and third floors. There was no forced entry, so... Apparently, that house, though, was kind of known as a party party house, so the the entrance code had been shared multiple times. Right, which is always a bad idea. Mm -hmm. Uh, But yeah, uh, you know, these these young people were, were all in their 20s, and... It's like a big thing right now because they have no suspects at all. Uh, there was a, another picture. And it's a small town, too. It's like 26,000 people. Right. And that's, to us, that's a small town because yeah. it's completely overpopulated here in Maryland. And, uh, you know, apparently it was so bad that there was blood all over the walls and apparently gotten between, uh, probably under some of the fixtures of the house where it was leaking outside by the siding and, and it just it was a really morbid kind of scene and uh yeah i just you know again it just comes back to if you're you know i for, you know forget the this uh athlete aspect of it in the other case it's you just have your ordinary kids uh just trying to go to college and find their way in life and like yeah here's the house i think or somewhere along there but uh it's just they said that they've even um were looking at nearby dumpsters and didn't find anything and yeah it, they don't have a weapon nothing. They, they said it looks like by the um wounds a five-bladed knife i don't i don't know what that is but let me see if i can look it up real quick so i i this this so this is not to make light of what happened at uva um we we kind of understand um maybe that oh i see what it, maybe it is like that like Pocket a swiss knife? army knife or something like that but how would you even know that i don't know maybe that's just because i don't think you i mean you could put them all at once but i don't know maybe that they were just noticing yeah like but maybe it's more like five serrated or something i, I i'm probably guessing because it's out in the middle of nowhere, and it just Some generally kind of it's hunting, hunting knife. Knife. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'd be thinking more of. So, the the reason like this is just we we kind of understand what's happening in the UVA case. There was hazing gone wrong, feelings were hurt, and somehow this person targeted these other three people. Um, we're not sure. We know the motive, but we're maybe not sure why it was these three people, or it could have been just like he was going after the entire football team and these were the first three he could think of or get to. Um, With this one, it's just like an unsolved mystery. You've got people in the house that didn't die. Maybe Maybe they hid, you know, because you maybe they were on the first floor, like in the basement, heard a commotion and were too scared to do anything so they just hid they and they're afraid to say anything you know for fear of backlash i mean come on now this is a three-level house too we live in but it's much smaller than that house but if you heard a commotion going on upstairs you could there there you could look right you could hide in there 
Yeah, I just... You, you know what I mean? It, it, it would be easy to just kind of... But it's weird because, again, like, I thought, like, everything would be on the first floor. Which it almost have to be, I think, because depending on where it is, the blood that was coming out of this, the by the siding was on the first floor. So something's not adding up with where the killings took place. Um... They're saying some of the people had defensive wounds, yeah. some did not, yeah. and it looks like everything happened after 1.45 a.m. in the morning when they all had returned back to the house. Yeah, there seems to be, like, two of them, Kaylee and Maddie, they were at some corner club and then... Went to a food truck. Yeah, and then they made it back to their house at 145 and then almost the same thing with Ethan and Xana who I think might have been dating maybe I don't know but uh, they went to like a, a fraternity or a yeah fraternity party. party and then ended up back at 145 as well so it's almost you know on time with both of them and then I don't know maybe because, I don't know, it seems like each one was killed. They weren't sleeping, I don't think. So it might have been just someone jumped them at the same time. But you would think if that happened, somebody would have gotten away or at least gotten out of the house. So I don't know. This is why. And they're saying it doesn't. it's not a robbery. No. It, it, it's something personal. They yeah. were just killing. Yeah. Yeah, there's somebody didn't like them. And, again, this is. If, if they're giving out that code, that's very problematic. Yeah, but that's what college kids do. Yeah, and you know, and I, you know, the thing is, what's weird too is, uh, and I don't know, if, I don't know the area or anything like that, but you know, most days and most college campuses have like cameras everywhere. But judging by the situation and look at this, there isn't anything around. It, it looks like it is a private house that they probably rented out while off mm -hmm. campus. Yeah, it's, so. it's, it's an off campus um, housing. They're also saying. The students were likely asleep before being attacked, mm -hmm. um, but it's it's just so crazy. Yeah. They've interviewed 38 people who may have information about the killings, but they still... Oh, I'm sorry. I said a five-bladed knife. A fixed-blade knife. Okay. So it's probably a hunting blade. And um, so, yeah, it is an off-campus home. And um, and that's not uncommon to have like six people staying in a large. Oh no! Room. Yeah, it's it's you know it's they're all renting it, so they probably paying a portion of. That's how they do it, because they can't afford anything higher than that, you know. Um. But yeah, it's it, I just you know we don't have kids, you and I, but I think we've talked about it before that it, it's almost like we wouldn't even want it anyway, just because in this day and age. It's not even so much trusting your own kid, it's trusting the world around them. Like, it seems like it's so much worse. And even though I know it's not, because the media is different now, and the internet's different, which changes a lot of things of how things are uh, broadcasted and told. So mm -hmm. they're, they're saying, too, some of the murdered um, students were stabbed in their beds. Yeah, okay, so they were sleeping at the time, which makes more sense. Um, and... I think they're the police because this is they're having a hard time with um, getting information because you know how it is we were watching um, when they re-released some of those unsolved mysteries and yeah. um, it was that African-American guy in Kansas 
Yeah. And it, he was in like a predominantly white, white area, and he just went missing, and they found his body like in a creek days or weeks after they had already searched that area and nobody had wanted to say anything and i think that's kind of what's happening with this is again because of the college atmosphere nobody wants to say anything nobody wants to uh implicate anyone else right just in case, you know, where they don't want to... Yeah. yeah, or they don't want to just get involved because they're like, well... Yeah, because they haven't caught them, so... Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think they're keeping a lot of this stuff kind of close to the vest because no, even after interviewing 38 people, there there's nothing definitive that they've gotten on any kind of suspect. Um, and it's, it's kind of like, you know, you know how a lot of my family is moving out of Baltimore because of how bad it's getting. And we've already got three people or three like smaller portions of the family have moved. And my sister is now moving. She's, she's already bought a new house and everything and will be by summertime out. And part of it too is she still has two kids in school and um, her oldest is, is graduating this year, but she's really like, the school systems here are going downhill and um as parents you want you you want there's more out out there and kind of going back to like what you're saying you're trying to send your kids to a brighter future but like that's happens. This yeah. happens. So even when you're proactive, like like a lot of people in my family are, they're moving to an area where there's hardly any crime. It's a little bit higher. Like it, it's high. I hate, God, this is going to sound terrible, but it is a much higher income area where my sister is moving. So the schools are better and the crime is lower than Baltimore, like where we have problems with the kids are not learning anything and, and they're being told to pass the children anyway just to yeah. push them through the system. Yeah. All, all in all, like being a parent and dealing with stuff like this is is just awful. And now you, you might even have people telling these other kids that in this Idaho situation, even their parents might be saying, don't get involved. Because you, they are either worried about their... Yeah, because they might be worried they might implicate themselves or they were doing something wrong while they were partying Mm -hmm. there. Yeah, they just don't want to open that door up so everyone becomes quiet. It's just so bizarre and so scary, like, overall. I mean, eventually, you know, anything can happen anywhere. We've seen, I mean, look at, like, fucking JonBenet Ramsey. They're millionaires and their little girl gets murdered yeah so we see it everywhere but it's hard like you want to move to or send your kids to the best schools and you know university of virginia is a very prestigious school Mm -hmm. i mean i don't know much about university of idaho i hate to say that but i mean you you don't expect these things to happen in a school that's so prestigious um or, you, or and in general but like you're you're trying to like 
again, like I'm just giving the example of my sister. She's she she's trying to get to a better area for her children so that they have better education than what you know Baltimore gives them. But it doesn't mean. But it doesn't mean yeah. yeah. It doesn't mean that there it's going to work out perfectly. Mm-hmm. I but it, it's just it's just heartbreaking. It's tough. Yeah. Mm. Well, we're going to get into some better, more positive topics yeah, positive going forward. Stuff. Yeah, I know. It's a downer. Yeah. Yeah. Life sucks sometimes for sure. Uh, in the next two blocks of music, uh, we got some stuff from uh, Metal Devastation Radio, uh, Stormbreaker, Metal Message with Raven Light. Mm-hmm. Uh, Angels PR sends Kiara. And then we've got some new stuff from Vomit Forth and Justin. And here's a brand new casket robbery, which is cool. It's called Beautiful Death.
Hey everyone, this is Blake from Pig Destroyer. Hey Beak and Zealot R.I.P. And you are listening to DJ Anubis and DJ Neko at Metal Tavern Radio. Get into it now.
Introducing the Metal Tavern Radio Podcast, available today on your favorite podcast platform. Metal Tavern is a heavy metal, rock music, and movie podcast where they discuss movies, music, current events, and feature live interviews with bands, artists, and YouTube personalities. They spotlight independent labels and feature the underground bands the label represents. Again, that's the Metal Tavern Radio Podcast. Stream it today on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Podbean, YouTube, and at the website MetalTavernRadio.com. Many episodes up for you to listen to already, and make sure you subscribe to be notified of future releases. That's the Metal Tavern Radio Podcast. Go listen, download, and subscribe today. You can also connect on Facebook, search Metal Tavern Radio, and follow the guys on Twitter at DJ Anubis88 and DJ underscore Nico Caffrey. Neko Catfree. So, um, I am never really on Twitter. Ever, am I? No. I literally just kind of like cross post my And she's Instagram. never, she's never as controversial as I am about anything. So. Literally, I share pictures on Instagram and then it's also tweets. And I got, I logged, I don't even know what made me go into Twitter for some reason. Because I don't even go on Twitter. And it's like, your account has been suspended. So then I tried to, like, appeal it, and nothing happened. And they're like, well, we're closing this case. This is uh, case closed. No uh, no issue needed. I'm like, excuse me? Nobody answered me. Like, I was like, what got me banned? I, I don't post, like, most of my pictures are of, like, bunnies, bunnies and cats. cats, and the sunset. Yeah. Like, In fact, yeah, the last couple of pictures were from a wedding so like and the thing about twitter is like they they don't ever tell you what it is that you get banned for uh, like they just say you're banned and they review it but they don't tell you what it was they for didn't review shit. they said oh since we haven't heard from you i'm like i don't heard from me what are you talking about i just texted you dickheads mm-hmm. but uh so yeah uh dj underscore nico cat freak doesn't exist anymore and it's neko but yeah i mean it might still exist but i haven't tried to contact elon musk now to see if uh he'd take my ban off right what's really funny though do you remember i know i'm kind of getting off topic um a couple went after elon finally took over and he did that thing where you could pay for the blue check mark mm-hmm. and change the name. And then people were like changing their name, getting the blue check mark, and then tweeting out ridiculous things. And it was like hurting companies. Um, apparently, I don't, I don't know how true this is because, you know, you just read it in the news and articles and all. But there was somebody who, Eli Lilly is the company that makes a lot of different medicine including the one medicine that you're on um right the injectable and they make insulin mostly and uh someone changed their name to eli lily and it had a blue check mark that they paid to get the blue check mark and they tweeted out uh starting now all insulin is free (laughs) and it, it caused quite a problem um well, you know, it's funny because I forget who it was. It, it might have been Elon. I don't know. But Valerie Bertinelli, uh, mm-hmm. 
Eddie Van Halen's ex-wife, she did something similar. She created her account because what Elon did was, I, I don't mind that he wanted to allow people to have the blue check mark. The issue is, I think you still have to be... Verified some way. Well, no, they do that, but they don't... Um, like, anybody can do it. So, mm -hmm. like, and, you know, that was one of the things Elon talked about. But the reality is, I don't think the average Joe needs to have a blue check mark. I mean, sure, it's probably nice, but... And, but at the same time, I got the other side of it. Like, I tried to apply for a blue check mark way back when because I am DJ Anubis yeah. of this podcast and my station. So I am basically on a much smaller level. Uh, you just wanted to make sure someone else wouldn't. Because this happens a lot to smaller creators. Right. Like, people, and I've seen it so much on, um, especially Facebook. Because a lot of younger people are not as active on Facebook as they are on TikTok or Instagram or, or Snapchat. Right. Like, I am not active on, on Snapchat or TikTok, even though I made accounts on there. I don't, like, for me, it, I'm like, I don't need 27 social networks at mm -hmm. all. Right. And it's not anything. So, what I'm seeing, a lot of people, these younger creators are doing stuff on TikTok and on um, Instagram Reels. And other people go to Facebook, create a name that's like theirs. And, but I might have like an underscore or, or something. And then yeah. they steal their content yep. and repost it yep. on Facebook. Like That like, literally happened to the Fat Samurai guy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then he lost his ability to log into his old YouTube, remember? Yeah. And he lost all of access to his old content. And so I understand why you would want, like, I, I mean, you're not, you know, you're not Tom Cruise. But right, you, right. you want to be like, I'm authenticating my brand. Right, exactly. And that's what it really is about. Like, you know, the average Joe that just messes around on Twitter, like, they don't really necessarily need a blue check mark. They're not, they're just somebody. But for people who actually have content, or as you said, a brand, they want to be able to verify that's who they are. But anyway, getting into our rock block today, uh, new stuff from Greg Pusciato, Transat, uh, excuse me, uh, Broken Side, 77 Mecca, Scarlet and Vice. Yeah, your account is permanently suspended. Yeah, and then there's no reason why. Yeah. But uh, we're going to kick off this rock block with 77 Mecca. It's called Transference, and we'll be back.
Everybody, this is Mr. Joshua Gray, your live gameplay DJ, live weekday mornings, every day, but hump day, playing Mortal Kombat or other games occasionally and featuring a number of different artists. So come on by, grab your breakfast, and enjoy some fatalities. Mr. Joshua Gray on YouTube, Monday, Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays, 8 noon to the moon. And you're listening to DJ Anubis and DJ Neko on Metal Tavern Radio.
three, four, eight, oh, okay. I have always wanted to be king for the day, but the people Court, but I'm about to show them that the wheel is gonna turn for me. Rise to sequence all over my face.
You don't like my welcome back to the the talk part of it? <laughs> no, All I just right. I heard the the music, and it's funny because I I was saying in an, in our one of our previous things I was like oh yeah I just watched Dazed and Confused and when we were talking about the hazing because they that that was all about hazing in that movie um and that's where what's his face Matthew McConaughey yeah the all right all right that's where right, it started all right, all right. in that movie and uh what well, when was that that was the late 90s wasn't yeah. it easily yeah. and I I love the movie because it's about nothing but smoking weed. But yeah, it's about smoking weed and music and just being a teenager. And even though it was in the 90s, set in the 70s, you really kind of like, it, it encapsulates like how teenagers like process things and how, you, you know what I mean? And like, what, was uh, Jim Brewer in that? No. No. Um, but there's a lot of people in it. Um. He must have been in, he was in something way back I know there. Parker Posey was in it. Yeah. Um, ben Affleck was in it. Uh, who else? Um, but one thing, what I really, and this is, I think I, I was still out to sea, and I remember um, I was just kind of messaging you, like, because the big thing was they were, uh, they'd go, Oh yeah, Joey Lauren Adams. I love her. Cole uh, Hauser. Mm -hmm. He's actually in uh, Yellowstone now. He's a badass in that. Oh really? Yeah. They were the thing that I really enjoyed. Like I said, Mila Jovovich. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Mila Jovovich was in it. Um, Rory. Oh my God, Rory Cochrane. Mm hmm. Like, is that Hagrid? I'm no, not. no, no. You're thinking of, his last name was Cole. Okay, yeah, yeah, different, okay. Um, the reason I liked it was, again, it was, like, the most simplest of plots, but, you know, you're looking at different groups of teenagers or what they're doing, and it really felt like just existing as a teenager. The whole thing was, like, you had one or two friends with a car, and then you'd go riding around picking your friends up, and then you would meet some other friends somewhere else, and... I just kind of those were the days. Exactly, like I mean, now we, it's we have our own house and stuff. But like when you're in your parents' house, the idea is to get out and Meet explore, up. you yeah. know. And I, I was sitting there thinking, like, do kids, kids don't even really do that anymore. We didn't have like I had a pager, not on that level. Yeah, anymore. I mean, I had a pager, and that was about the extent of my like. I you know I didn't have a cell phone. But my the and the whole story about the pager, which is absolutely hysterical, and you, this is you'll you'll definitely be like, yeah, this is your dad. My sister wanted a pager really bad for whatever reason. I didn't care either way. But he's got two teenage daughters at home. Phones ringing off the hook all the time. He changed his phone number, so he changed the phone number to the house, and like threatened us. You do not give anybody this phone number. Your friends are not allowed to have this phone number. And this is, like, right when caller ID was starting to happen, too. He's like, if your friends have caller ID, you have to star 67 before you call so it doesn't come up on the caller ID. He got us the pagers, so if our friends wanted to get in contact with us, they had to page us. And my parents, too, clearly. Like, if they were, like, you know... And our pagers actually had voicemail 
as well. So if you got a voicemail, just like bleep bleep, and it would say voicemail. Yeah. So I had I was I was fancy. I had voicemail pager, and you know, I um, and that was when you know public phones were everywhere, but that was our extent of being able to like have communication in the palm of our hands. Now, like everybody has, even kids have cell phones and, um, you didn't know where your friends would just kind of, and I remember this clear as day. I remember me, Sarah and Joey were together back. Like I was maybe like 19 and they were 17 and there was supposed to be this party. Well, I knew like the apartment complex where the party was, but I could, I did not know where, like what apartment. So we're just driving around this apartment complex looking to see if maybe somebody goes outside to smoke or whatever to see if we could find someone. And then we just kind of gave up. And like before, now everybody has each other's social, you know, social media or cell phone or whatever you can be like hey where are you you know the whole idea though back then for us was you just kind of drive around and see what happens and that was the beautiful essence of days and confused it was like that's what they all did is they just drove around and they're like okay well we're gonna go to like the arcade or we're gonna go to the party party at the moonlights you know like at the bronze <laughs> That's what I, I, I just, there's something nice about that in itself where. Yeah, it, you get in school and you're like, okay, yeah, what are we doing tonight? This Friday? Yeah, we're going, okay, we're going to meet here. Okay, at this guy's house? Okay, cool, we'll do that. We'll be there. It's not really. Maybe you cruise around and be like, hey, man, know where any parties are? Uh -huh. <laughs> or like going to the mall was like a whole all day affair. You know, you, you would go to the mall and you'd eat in the food court. Even if you're not, you're not there to shop. You might buy something because. Nice. Fine girls or fine boys. Or just like, oh, look, hey, there's my friend. Oh, look, hey, do, do you know where any parties are tonight? And then you'd go home, take a shower, get ready for the party and go right back out. I, parts of me really miss that, but like other parts of me are like. You know, I pay for my house to be here, and I'm not, I just don't have the effort to... The energy's I, not... Anyway, that's not really what Sorry, that's not what our topic is. Sorry, go for it. Uh, so, two movies that uh, we've both seen at different times. We didn't get to see them together, but uh, I guess you had found a way to watch them while you were on your way back. Yeah, the, the ship, um, we all share movies with each other. Um, everybody always has a hard drive filled with movies and you'll like share them with each other. Um, the ship itself has like a network and then they, each cabin has a TV and it's hooked up to the network. And if you go into, it's called MovieNet, and you can browse and there's like a folder that said new releases and, um, don't worry, darling. And what was the other one called? Barbarian. Barbarian. Um, they both were on there and I really wanted to see Don't Worry Darling so I messaged 
Yeah, because we did a trailer reaction mm -hmm. to it a while back. Yeah. I messaged you. I was like, did you see it yet? You're like, yeah. I was like, fuck you, man. <laughs> so I watched it. And then Bar I asked him if he saw Barbarian, and he said, yeah. And I, it wasn't even really on my radar to watch, but I was listening to one of my podcasts that I like listening to, and um, they were talking about it. And I was like, they're like, it's a tight 90 minutes. I was like, okay, well, it's a quick movie. I might as well watch it. And I, um, there was, so I don't know. I'll start with Barbarian because that was the one that. There was some thing about both these movies. They're both vastly opposite in terms of critical acclaim. And then yet the audience is about the same, which we'll get into it more with each movie but like uh they both started out differently with the audiences and then now they've kind of gotten back to where i think they should be mm -hmm. but i'll be curious about where you put them uh but so start with barbarian i um i thought that the first 20 minutes of barbarian was way too drug out they were really trying to and it's it's only a 90 minute movie so for you to waste 20 minutes <laughs> but then the rest of the movie was good like you know what i mean like once it started happening it was good see that's generally other people's complaints they think their first part of the movie is great but then the ending wasn't as very good they so they so for me it was just enough grossness um i so this is my opinion I hope I'm not spoiling anything, so if you haven't seen this movie, fast forward, but when we learn what the man in the basement has been doing, he had, he essentially had been, you know, abducting women and impregnating them, abusing them, killing them, and then making them inbreed for so many years until they bred this gigantic monster and what was interesting is inside well, wasn't that the woman though mm-hmm but the, was the, that... wo the woman was a monster because what he was doing remember that that uh black i thought dude? it was his girlfriend or whatever no do you remember the black dude who lived under the water tower yeah he gave a very brief explanation which you missed okay he knew about her because she does sometimes leave the house, but she doesn't leave the house at night, the, the monster. And he said he knew what that man was doing for years. The man was abducting women, abusing them, killing them after, after they get pregnant. And then he was having the babies raising them and you saw all those small like cages and stuff too when you were going deeper and deeper into the basement there was like smaller cages and stuff mm -hmm. he he was doing that to the children but then he was inbreeding for so many years and that woman has been around for like 30 40 years and she turned into like this monster from the result of all this inbreeding mm -hmm. That's why she looks the way she does. She's well, dark as shit down there too. Yeah, and she is human, but from inbreeding. So you got to think inbreeding brothers and sisters over and over and over again. So basically, the Kansas City Chiefs mm -hmm. and yeah. their fans. <laughs> <laughs> so that's why her 
you know, when you inbreed so much, it does affect your the chromosomes, and that's how you end up with um, the mentally impaired and having, you know, deficiencies. And she looked like a woman-ish, but she had, like, you know, you could tell she was slow, but she also still had instincts of a human. I wish they would have cut to the chase at the beginning a little bit and spent that 20 minutes more on that guy's backstory because they did a brief back in the 80s um, flashback on that guy and it was only what five minutes maybe of the movie I would have rather seen more on him than what they did at the beginning and I know, like, what they were trying to do was set it up so that we believed that the other guy was the killer and the problem. Mm-hmm. But I honestly, I thought that that guy's backstory was, like, super interesting. Now, granted, Justin Long, I always love him in movies, and he was abysmal like he was an abysmal human being. Like already he's he's He always plays a sniveling ass. I he's already in trouble because he was is being accused of raping a woman. And that one part where he's talking to his friend and he's like, Come on now, tell his friend was like, Tell me what really happened. He's like, Well, she needed a little convincing. Right. The minute that he said that, I was like, Oh, you've lost. I like and with everything, I'm Because before gonna... you're kind of like watching it unfold as he's on the phone, I'm like, yeah, maybe this chick is just looking to Maybe like she's burn using him. him or whatever. But when he starts unraveling and he starts discussing about how, oh, she just needed some prodding. And I'm like, well, what? It, and I, I'm I, like, that's the very definition of rape, my friend. Exactly. You and I just. In, in our personal lives, I was talking about some things that have happened and. You saw, you saw my dad's reaction when I said what I said, and he's like, well, maybe she is the, the problem. And I'm like, that is the problem. You are a problem. He's like, that's not what I meant. What I meant, what, no. Your mentality, and that's exactly kind of like what Justin Long's mentality was in the movie, and it's, I'm not trying to be like, and I, I joked with Anubis, I'm like, I, I just had, we just had some, I had some experiences, and they've made me I'm not woke but you know what I mean like, right, right, right. it made me kind of normally I'm a very I get it somebody's just having... you don't you don't have to do the right thing to be woke that's not the issue at hand that's what people confuse about a lot of things uh, knowing right from wrong isn't like being woke but what happens is is if you take a situation that's not at all meant to be because context means everything. We talk about this all the time. Mm-hmm. And if you're in something that's like with you and your buddies on your ship, that you all get along, you can talk dirty potty mouths, whatever, and there's no one's getting offended, that's not being woke. That doesn't mean somebody has to, like, you don't come back and say, oh, well, you know, I'm going to report them because they said a bad joke. If you've been dealing with it for, like, three years and giving it back to them, then there's no there's no room for talking there. But in your case for this last trip, when they're actually doing it mean-spiritedly, they may not know they're doing it, but it needs to be corrected. 
and that's what one of your co-workers has said recently that guy needs to talk to again mm -hmm. but it doesn't make your experience on that ship this time around any better so you have to go now forward and try to avert being with that person and that's that's it's 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 so sad because like this whole Justin Long thing in the movie when he he said that like she needed a little convincing and I, I I've ha I all, like the sad thing is like when this stuff happened on, on so basically my last trip there was another female who was sexually harassed and um, I I wasn't there I didn't witness it and she had already left the ship but the consensus around um, around the event with a lot of the male uh, crew was that she was the problem you know she's a pro not that the other guy who was sick and I don't think a lot of people realize that women don't just it takes a lot for a woman to report something though we will put up with shit after shit after shit so they even almost had me convinced when they made the comment like she's the problem and then I was like wait a minute no no one deserves to be harassed if she was harassed no one deserves to be harassed so like I was just saying like that whole thing with with Justin Long just really struck a chord with me and things I loved though about the movie was just some of the gore like when the the creature lady ripped the arm off of the black dude um Oh my. She never comes here. And then, the oh my god! And the again, spoilers, please, if you haven't seen this, um, the end where again Justin Long, being the creep that he is, he was like it was between me and you, and he threw the other girl off the top of the water tower, and then the the crazy lady like dove to like oh it's my baby, you know. Ooh, and the part, this is the part that I was like, this is so disgusting, where she's breastfeeding Justin Long, so all of those things. Well, he wouldn't do it, but, uh... No, he, then she was trying to feed him with the bottle, and he's like, no, no, and the girl's like, drink the bottle. She just thinks, do it, just she, do you're it. Her, she thinks you're her baby. She And apparently, you know, this dude had been underground for a long time. And Which is Richard Brake, mm -hmm. actually, the actor who's very good from he, 31. He, he really, like, you could tell that he'd been underground for a long time. He'd been sadistic for a long time. And um, the, the creature woman was scared of him. Right. Like, when Justin Long went in there and she wouldn't go in. She, so he had been abusing her and all the other kids and all the other women for years. And she knew it and saw it, so she wouldn't go near him. Um, but the... <laughs> when she was putting the bottle down, like, and the girl's, like, like, drinking out of the bottle, and Justin Long wouldn't do it, so then she, like, scoops him up and breastfed him. I was like, oh, this is so gross, because she's so, like, yeah, it's, hideously it's deformed. It's just one of those things. It could be, like, cotton candy flavored water. Mm -hmm. But the way, the whole impression of the whole thing is, like, oh, my God, it's breast milk. And it's dirty and grimy down there oh, it's just a mess and you're like and the, the, the lead actress she's just kind of like right out of that bottom like, oh, dude I'd be hurling so hard she probably was but she um 
she learned real fast well, that... Well, in order to survive, because we all think she's pretty much done at the beginning of the movie, because it splits from her shit, her, her scenes to Long's, and then we think when Long starts going down the same path that she did, that she's already gone, and she ends up being one of the survivors, of course. So, before I get into my recap and breakdown, what is your rating out of 10 for that film? I'm going to give it a, a 6. Because I think... So, if I'm just going by the gore scenes and stuff, and the gross scenes and everything like that, it's a 10 out of 10. The problem was... The problem was the beginning for me. Because I almost stopped watching it. Until... <laughs> until uh, they started going down the basement. Because I'm like, when is something going to start? Like, okay, they both rented the same Airbnb. It does kind of let you... At first, you're thinking the guy that's already there is going to be like an, uh, a protagonist. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like... Or an antagonist. So it's like you're kind of sitting on... Is he going to be the bad guy? And then, yeah, it, it's a lot of misdirection. I mean, I get why they, again, I get why they did that, but it wasn't convincing enough for me. The scary basement thing is good. If this is what you needed from that, you didn't need 20 minutes of them drinking wine and giggling and washing sheets. And what you needed was those two going in there. The night is over. She goes down the basement. What did she get? Like toilet paper or paper towels or something. She needed more. She goes down there and gets locked. And that's like you only need a few minutes to go forward from that. Because when it got started, it got started. And but the beginning almost. It really almost turned me off to the movie because what again, it gets started. There is gore. There is a really great backstory which they didn't even explore enough again why I'm putting it down to a six that backstory itself could have been its own movie mm -hmm. oh yeah well you act your score surprised me a little bit just because the way you talked about it it felt like you were gonna be higher with your score however I'll put off right back I agree with you that score is where I about where I put it my issue is with the film is, and I kind of explained it in my review, was it's not that Barbarian is necessarily a bad movie. Uh, I think one of the things that happens with me and you, probably more me, is that I watch so many movies and they all kind of have similar themes and sometimes they're done better that somebody who doesn't watch these type of films on the norm will watch this and say, oh my God, that's like one of the greatest movies I've ever seen. I, I, I do have to say... We, ha we don't get a lot of rated R um, horror movies. So, again, with, like, Black Phone. Was Black Phone R? Or was it PG-13? So when we get a rated R horror movie, I mean, I'm not, a, I, I'm not expecting, like, a fucking Serbian film, which is disgusting, but I am... But that's kind of my point. We've seen films that are pretty crazy. So, this film, when people tell me, oh, yeah, it's really crazy, man. It's got all this shit going on. I was like, it has some scenes, but have you seen this film? Because this will put this one to shame. Mm -hmm. uh, and, I, and I think that's my problem is that, and it's not anybody's fault. Like, anybody who's watched Barbarian and came out of it giving it like a 9 out of 10, 
that's fine. But for me, I've seen so many films kind of like this that it doesn't. I was I I, I pretty much knew everything that was going to happen, and I said it at my in my review. I said the only thing that would have gave this film a higher score to me it would have been something that would have pissed me off as a viewer, but it would have been ten times more surprising than what we got at the end. So as you discussed, he pushes her off the water tower or whatever the fuck that was. Mm -hmm. She lands on top of the, the crazy bitch lady uh, that's been chasing him. He comes down, and then, of course, uh, our lead girl survives. And, of course, Long gets his penance, basically. Now, the only oh, thing the eyes! That was also so gross, where she, like, like smashed in his eyes, and the eyes just, like, ooze out. But see, I would have said to myself, if I'm directing this film... Once he pushes that chick off the, the water tower, he's the one that survives. And that makes everyone pissed. But that's how you do a good movie, because no one's going to see it. Everyone expects the bad, stupid-ass motherfucker to lose. So it's not that I think that Justin Long's character is great. He's a terrible human being. Clearly. He sat there... Not Justin Long, but the character. Right. The, the, the character's spending time telling this girl that he's with... You know, he's, he'll never be a bad guy. He's going to be accountable for what he did with that girl on set and everything else. And, and then next thing you know, he pushes her off the water tower <laughs> to save his own ass. Having that guy survive would have been a bigger surprise than anything in the movie. It would piss people off, but it would have been a bigger surprise and something that people would have expected. And then would have been hysterical is he survives, and the next day you see him, like, doing interviews on the news about how, like, you know... He tried to save her. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that and would that, have been great. Yeah, that's, that's the kind of shit I'm talking about. It's like, you're going to leave that movie feeling dirty. But that's something you're not seeing coming. Having the girl survive, everyone kind of expected that. So, as I'm watching this, I'm like, well, you're not... You're just running by the numbers. So, do throw something at me I'm not expecting. I, I really wanted more about the... Man's. And Richard Brake's character was a very interesting one, yeah. So he's there's down nothing. there. There's nothing. He gets five minutes of a flashback, and then he's down there in his piss jars and old VHSs and kills himself. Mm -hmm. That's all, Sorry, another spoiler, but like that's all you get. He didn't try to do anything to Justin Long. He had just been locked well, in. Well, he did point the gun at Long, but I think because his character was so weak, he was really old mm -hmm. at this point, and... Who knows what he was eating? You know, probably saying breast milk. <laughs> Fuck knows. But uh, he was clearly very old, and he was Justin. He didn't couldn't say anything. So Justin's like, "Man, I'm gonna get you out of here." And then, meanwhile, the Brakes character is pulling out a handgun. And he's like pointing at Long, and Long's like, "What the fuck you doing, man?" <laughs> and I say, I think he tried to shoot at him, but missed because he couldn't really hold the gun or something. But I don't know. But you're right. That would have made like a better first half of the film compared to what we've gotten and just kind of run with the second half. That would have been great if we would have done a 20-minute flashback of this guy. Because they didn't... I mean, they kind of did a cool thing because they had Brake's character in the, in the grocery store. 
Then he gets home, and it's at this and time about, the, the mean, neighborhood looks great. This is like this what, is this is in 50s, Detroit. 60s? No, it was in the um, yeah the late seventies, and it's right. Remember, he was talking to his neighbor, and he's like, "Hey, yeah, we're putting up a for sale sign." The neighborhood's starting to go to shit, and then when you see the house now, the house itself a little more run down. It, the, the house is his house is beautiful, but the rest of the neighborhood looks like fucking Gaza Strip. It like it. it it was right around that time where Detroit was going from, like, the Motor City to, like, everything was, all the industry was leaving, so that was what was happening. But, yeah, so we, we see Brake's character come home one day when that happens, when the neighbor comes out. He goes in, and he goes down in the very basement that we've seen for the first 20 minutes, but then you don't see what happens after. Then we're back to the present. And we hear a scream, and that's it. Right. So and he was buying he was buying like diapers yeah, and right you know just your usual stuff so. and and so what we're assuming is because we hear the scream of the woman he's abducted he's somebody. already abducted her she's already had a baby so this is the beginning of his torturing of these women and inbreeding of these children right but that again that would that is such like a compelling horror movie it's in itself. That would have been a better, maybe, it doesn't even have to be the first 20 minutes, but you could have started off for a hot second with the Airbnb girl, and then when things, kind of like what they did before, but give, give more, I wanted more meat of what happened with him. But uh, Rotten Tomatoes, when I first started looking at the scores for this, like three or four weeks ago, it was about 90% for both. Uh, critics are still around 92%, but the audience scores have dropped down to 71, which I feel like is far more representative of this film than the 90. So that part's good. I think the critics are really kind of overrating this film a bit. Uh, some people have it on their, even some audience people have it on their best of list of the year. I just, I don't agree with that at all. I don't think it's a best of, but I do think the gore scenes, they did really well. The, well, there's really nothing wrong with the acting or even... Uh, I just feel like the plot itself had so much more potential. Yeah. That, again, I'm, I'm going back to... I wanted more of that scene than what we got in the grocery store. I wanted more. I wanted to see... Because all you're, all you're getting is the small snippet of information from that man who lived under the water tower. Right. And you even missed what he said. So that Well, but it, the worst thing about that whole section of scene is there's a point where the girl, our lead actress, comes out. Uh, this is when she had to leave Justin Long behind, his character, for the first she time. she went back for him. She got out there and was trying to wave down cops, which is the right thing to do. Now, this is where my problem with the film a little bit in terms of what's going on around the house. So it's run down. You've got this homeless guy who knows there's a crazy bitch in there uh, of some sorts. Uh, the cops automatically start going to the, the usual tropes where, oh, well, the lead actress is black. So they're like not giving her the time of day. They're kind of like, oh, you're just crazy. I also, I'm, I'm to your point, there was... Um, trying to think something i watched recently about detroit police where they literally are ignoring calls 
or because there's not enough cops to deal with everything that's going on. So to them, a crazy lady, they just think she's on drugs or something. That so. That's how they try to pass it up. I just I can't imagine. Uh, I can because I saw this. It's a it's a thing about the Detroit police. They don't have enough people to respond to everything. Well, they had two guys right there. All they do is go in and look. They 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 were like because they they thought she was trying to break in and steal things and then and so that's why I'm saying like I'm I'm not a hundred percent giving them a pass, but I'm saying it's not unbelievable in a city like Detroit. Because we live in, in Baltimore, and where we live is not terrible, but just imagine living on the west side and trying to... I don't know. I've driven down, you were with me, down in D.C. to ask the cop for directions. You didn't give me any problems with that. But you're also white. He was still, like, edgy when I walked <laughs> up. But, anyway... I mean, I... anybody walking up to a cruiser in the middle of the night, you know, can make a cop startled. I just, I think this movie had more behind it I enjoyed the gore I like every gore scene and everything that was disgusting was perfect I don't know I came out of the movie just disappointed overall like for all the hype that it had I just didn't see it I didn't even know there was hype oh there was a lot I, I didn't There's know there still was a lot hype, of hype about it. I didn't know that's why it was just pretty um like, I mean, it's better when you don't. It was have... neutral for me because I didn't know anything about right, the movie, right. and then I hear, you know, on my podcast, I hear about it, and I'm like, oh well, they watched it and they really, really liked it, so maybe I should watch it too. It's a quick movie, I so I didn't have this hype behind it, but I also like, you know how I am, I, like a perfect horror slash um, suspense movie and that's kind of what this was a horror slash suspense movie is Silence of the Lambs so I I was kind of which is far better far, it's, oh, it's, it's heads and tails above this and that's why when I was hearing other people give this movie praises and I and they also feel the same way about Silence of the Lambs I was like, eh, this is not up there. I mean... It's not even close. <laughs> so, but honestly, it is a 6 out of 10 for me because I really wanted more about the old ma old man's backstory. Yeah, I mean, I probably would have given a full 7 if it had been, like I said, that ending had changed if you throw me a curveball at me. Because, you know, you're kind of rooting for the lead actress in the film the entire time, but... To actually have the bad guy, which makes Long's character almost worse than the woman that was in prison mm. down there, to have him come out and, like you said, I didn't even think about like him doing interviews and yeah, he's doing an interview with the news and he's like, like playing oh, himself as a victim. I did everything, and then that that would like look so good on his part, right? I tried to save her. Yeah, that's like a whole like big fuck you like that that would like i said you would have come out of the theater like oh my god that movie pissed me off and that but that's motherfucker what he, who but that fuck? means it's drawing emotion from you like and remember that part where he was drunk and he left a voicemail the night before <laughs> yeah so he left the drunken voicemail he goes through this whole ordeal where he's being breastfed by the scary woman throws the other woman off the uh water tower he survives 
And then the next day is on the news talking about this horrible ordeal and how he was, you know, he loves and respects women. He can't believe that this man did this to this this poor lady who'd been inbred for so many years. And right. he, I tried to save her, but this crazy woman threw her off the water. That would have been the biggest fuck you. Yeah. So yeah. That's that's my two cents on. So let's talk about Don't Worry, Darling. Now this film. Initially, on Rotten Tomatoes, started out with very low scores. Uh, it still is very rated lowly with the critics, but it started to come up a little bit with the audience. So what I'm seeing about the critics and some of the audience is they're really um, hammering Harry Styles. It's not so much... It's, it's, it is... There are some points of the movie that I'll get into in a minute, but... Everything I'm seeing, like, when I'm reading reviews and stuff, like, I was reading one review and they gave it, like, a 4 out of 10. I'm like, it's not a 4. But they just were drilling and droning on Styles acting. And he kind of has... I'm going to say something you, you don't agree with, but, like, he, he was surrounded by some really great acting. So it kind of helps him out to the point where he's not carrying the movie. Um, we have Florence Pugh, who is an amazing actress, who's really carrying the movie. She is, she is the movie. And um, so he's very lucky to be a supporting actor and having other gr actors supporting him, even though he's not as seasoned. Um, it's kind of like, I call it the Marky Mark syndrome. <laughs> he is a very mediocre actor in my opinion but he's been in some films like one of my favorite movies is The Departed but look at that fucking cast that you have and he can get away with being a mediocre actor because you've got an amazing director you've got this huge fantastic cast and I think that's kind of like where where Styles was lucky because he had Florence Pugh being his wife in the movie to kind of help carry him. But a lot of the critical reviews I'm reading are just mean to Harry. When I we were talking about hazing and being mean, they're mean to Harry Styles. Like, well, I think this might be one of his bigger roles. Like, I know he's it's done his so first like, major role. Right, right. Mm -hmm. So. I, I mean, I sort of kind of get the, the you know, it's tough when it's your first major time and then you're expected to kind of carry a role. Uh, One other... I didn't really, you know, it's funny because I didn't really mind him, but at the same time I can say that I just didn't care about his character all that and much. And that's what they're saying. They're, they're like, one of the major problems is you're supposed to believe he, in the real world, is like this incel man who has been flipped through listening to a podcast but to be fair uh do we really blame him as much as or do we blame olivia wilde for her script because is it her script or is she just the director uh she's the director but i'm assuming it's at least her input on how because like you're a director you, you're directing your people how to do this yeah but if you have a shit script i mean that's what i'm saying like i but see the thing is because I, I know pew wasn't super crazy about the film yet. like she liked the project 
but she came out of it with, like I said, with different opinions in a while about what was the most important aspect. Like, and you make a great point. Like, you know, Styles' character, you know, Jack, I think is his name. You know, he, he comes home and, like, the first thing he's doing, he's, like, going down on our kitchen table. So it's like, there's dialogue there, but it's like, it's almost like that's what they wanted to skip to to try to get the audience engaged. And I'm like, are we watching Skinamax or are we watching, like, a, a real thought-provoking movie? What are we doing here? So on that, I get why they, they did that. So let's, I'm going to give kind of, like, a little mini synopsis if you haven't seen this i'm going to s- spoil it a little bit but we we learn the truth at the end that it's this virtual world that's been created and um florence Pugh's character is basically a prisoner that harry styles has taken upon himself through this other group the victory project to flashback to the 50s and live life in a better time as they say anyway i get why when he walks through the front door that's the first thing he wants to do because when they do that flash into real life and he's living in that decrepit apartment and he's eating tuna fish out of a can the first thing he wants to do is go hook himself into virtual reality so he can be with his wife and he even said at the end when like everything is coming out like the truth he's like i leave here every day to work to afford to pay for this to be with you to give you this life i um so for me there are some things that there's a lot of like questions that were not really answered and i don't know if they left it ambiguous so that, and open-ended so that they could um, maybe have another movie. Mm-hmm. Or because, like, it, it just was not a strong script. Um, I, I don't know. I, I really wanted more, more from real life. We get that small flashback when you see Florence Pugh in the real world it's present time she is uh she's basically a resident working at a hospital she's a surgeon and she's working her ass off you know she comes home and Harry Styles is sitting on the computer listening to you know his new best friend podcast that is turning his brain but you also we got a small flashback um when florence Pugh is is starting to remember things about when he lost his job and she made a comment like i it's okay we'll figure this out i'll work extra shifts you know blah 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 and i wanted a little bit more from the real world because it was a long movie but there was a whole bunch of not important things happening in the movie there was a lot of filler so you could have cut out some of the the filler scenes I was joking with Anubis like because we, we text through uh, whatsapp and Facebook Messenger like while I'm out there and I'm like every night all they do is like get drunk and party 
And that's what we were seeing is just like dinner parties, dinner party. You, you cut out one of those, give us a little bit more um, of a beefy backstory. Now I want to say first, I didn't expect this, the, the virtual world to be what the story was. I thought it was going to be they were living in um, a compound because of a nuclear war. Mm -hmm. And it could have been present time. And I thought the twist was going to be it is present time now. And they've been living in this compound. And other people have been living in this compound for so long that they haven't left it to... Uh, so they didn't know that there was other things out there. That's what I thought was going to happen. There's some things where it didn't really make sense. Like a couple of times there was like earthquakes or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, what, what does that even mean? It, it, they're like, oh, and they made a comment like, oh, the boys and their toys, they must be working hard. And you were like kind of saying, oh, it must be like a glitch in the matrix or I was reading another, you know, just comments on stuff where people are like, well, maybe it was um, the subway because Possibly, like, yeah. or a train moving by while they're like asleep in their virtual world. Right. And I was like, yeah, OK, maybe I I can't say I hated this movie because I actually really liked it a lot. And I liked it a lot to the point that I watched it again the next day. So. I initially gave it like a 7 out of 10 when I first said that to you. And I'm like, but the problem is I keep thinking about this movie. And I, I keep thinking and I keep going back through the movie to see if there's clues that I might have missed or something. So I feel like if I keep wanting to watch a movie, a 7 is kind of low. But I don't know, just based off of the script and all, if it's really an 8. But I, I, again, I'm like struggling with this. So maybe I'll give it a seven and a half. Bump it up a little bit. I also think um, there is a, they easily could make a sequel to this, but not call it like, don't worry, darling, too. They could call it something else because at the end. Um, or a prequel. Or no, what I'm thinking is you know at the end where uh what was his name chris pine's character frank, frank and his wife was shelly and when she she knew about it and olivia wilde's character knew about it and she went into this virtual thing because her kids on the, in the real world were dead so she went into this whole thing with the promise that she's not going to tell everybody that this is virtual reality right because she wanted to live in a world where her children where she still had her kids mm -hmm. and um but at the end when shelly stabs frank and she says it's my time now i almost feel like you could do another movie and 
Yeah, and that's probably where the issue is at the end because it's so open-ended. Mm -hmm. We don't know exactly what happens at the end. We know that... Did she wake up? Because what's-his-face is dead because she kills him, so he's dead. And they were saying, like, you got to get out of here because if you don't get out of here, they're going to come and kill your real body. Like Right, and that's, and that's the other thing. That was some of my problems at the end there is that we know that it's sort of like the Matrix. You die, or like Nightmare Nelson, you die in the dream, you're dying in the real mm -hmm. world. We know there's people that die in the mate in this system. The Victory Project. Right, but we don't know where they're attached. Who we don't know if there are people that are watching over the bodies. We don't know how many there are. We know the doctor dude was one of them, probably, and that he and Frank were probably coming in and out to, to watch what's going on in this 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 project. Well, the the men were some, some of these men. And I'm. This is an assumption because and being recruited. Yeah, they were being recruited through that podcast, but you know, Harry Styles already had Florence Pugh as a girlfriend, mm -hmm. so he already. Who knows how he knocked her out? And and you know, but they they were showing that one portion where they're like, "Do you accept that you are responsible for your wife hosts?" And he had to feed, she had like, you know, sedation, she had an IV in, he, he was giving her water while she's in her yeah, little thing. Yeah, so he's probably coming in and out of the thing. He has to every day, remember, that's when they were quote unquote going to work, he was leaving it to go to work and then coming back. But what I'm wondering, some of these men, I don't think had partners. So... I, I, and this is other thing, like, they didn't explore any of this. What are they doing? Are they just, like, abducting women randomly? Or if you're like, hey, I think this girl's cute, and they just get this cute girl, and now the man is responsible still for keeping her alive while she's sedated and in her little trance. So it's, it's, there's so many questions, and maybe that's what makes this, an interesting movie to me. Also, I love the mid-century aesthetic. So, like, all the clothes and all the home decor, I I could I just would could just stare at it all day. I just when I found myself watching it a second day in a row, I'm like, this movie did what it was intent to do: make you think. Maybe it's good that there's all these questions. Maybe they will make a sequel, prequel type movie. Maybe they will explain what was going on on the outside. Maybe Shelley does take over and women are in control instead of men. Maybe, you know, maybe Shelley frees all the women. She gets out and she's in her real body and she goes and finds all these women and takes care of them and... I, we don't know. And I, I I just was, again, I can't stop thinking about the movie. So I feel when I can't stop thinking about a movie and I give it a seven, it's, it's not fair. But do I, just based on the content of the movie, it's really only a seven. My imagination is turning it into an eight. Right? Right. Is, is that really what it's it's really what it is is like I am putting in all these built-in assumptions again maybe that's what they wanted maybe they wanted people to um, 
to think about the movie. They wanted people to use their imaginations like I am, and I'm coming up with all these scenarios. But bottom line for me is I really wish we, instead of having all these build-ups, which were the fluffy dinner parties and all that, I wish we would have explored more um, of what was going on on the outside. Maybe they, maybe they did model it after the Matrix and they're going to make three of them. You know, I don't know. I mean, what do you what do you think? Am I am I overthinking this movie or? No, and uh, I think that because the movie initially the critics were giving it like a thirty nine percent, which I think is criminally low. But again, I don't know if it has anything to do with some of the stuff that was happening on the outside of the film, uh, in terms of like the the kind of battle between Wild and Pew and Shia LaBeouf was was initially uh expected to be in the film uh and but like i said the the audience initially was almost as low as the critics were but it's come up to around 74 percent uh i give it a 7 out of 10 i think there are definitely some issues in the end of the movie that i would like to send a little bit more resolve especially with the deaths like we really don't know who's all watching we don't know how many of them there are we don't even know what happens to Pew's character once she comes out of it, supposedly, which is something she was supposed to have happen or something. Exactly, because you hear her go, <gasps> right, and that's it. That's the end. So it just leaves a lot of open stuff there that we just don't know. And I know that's like the flavor right now is to just leave things kind of open ended, but I, I have, I, I there. This movie has. So much potential and I don't know I don't know I feel I feel like maybe I just am kind of compensating for the fact that I, I really I really started empathizing with Florence Pugh and I really enjoyed like a lot of what was going on but because what you said there's just so many so many things that weren't resolved that they never really explained so you're just left to make your own assumptions right i don't know i that being said i i guess a seven is is pretty solid but for a seven movie to make me watch like i could i would watch it again tonight i i really have this rewatchability of the movie maybe because I feel like I'm going to see something I missed what do you think is it is do you think if that's what my my thing is is like I just keep thinking if I keep watching it there will be an answer to what I want or um maybe you know but you know I, I think it's pretty much all there I don't think there's anything really being missed anymore I like we know the reasons why certain people are doing what they're doing in there but Really, it's just about what's not explained. That's really the only things that are missing, but you're not going to find that in the film, I don't think. So. Now, do you know if this is um, a book by any chance? If it was based off of something already written? Because a lot of times, um, like one of the movies I really like is Silver Linings Playbook. And it was it was an older book that they right. made into a movie in early 2000s um 
and I, I really liked the movie so much um, I, I read the book and I'm thinking that I would get more you know so you read the book and you're gonna get more but there was a lot the, the principle is still the same like of the plot but there was so much changed of the characters and other little things that it actually took away from I read the book and wish I didn't read the book I thought the book would give me more mm -hmm. and the book because I love the movie the book I was like I'm sorry I read it read it and I'm wondering if there is a book uh, or if it's an original Maybe. take I don't know yeah. so I thank you for revisiting this with me so much because I I watched both of those movies with without you but with you at the like while I was away right and I had you saw like through our messages you saw I had like so much to say um, you know, the gore <laughs> in, in, um, what was it called again? I keep, Barbarian. I keep calling it Berserker in my brain. Berserker. Um, but that was the only thing too. It's called Barbarian. What the fuck? It has nothing. I, so. Just to throw people off. Exactly. I so I, I like in Barbarian, I, I was really like when, when the boob came out and the, all the grossness. I was messaging you like, so gross, oh my god. And with Don't Worry Darling, I'm like, you know, there is a part in the movie where Harry Styles, like, turns on, like, he, I was like, oh, he set her up, remember, like, when they, they took her away? Well, there is that moment, and you were really fired up, was towards the end, because he was, like, starting to blame her. He's like, I'm doing this all for you, but she you know, the thing is, she did not know it was happening. So it's like, you might have been doing it for your own selfish reasons. You know, you might think that you're doing something great for both of you, but when only one party's aware of it. So. He's like, I'm giving you a better life. You were miserable. She's like, but it was my life. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I was saying this to Anubis while we were chatting. I'm like, you know, these fucking residents, they work themselves to death. Some of that, they, they sleep in the hospital. They shower in the hospital. That's what it takes to be, like, a top surgeon or whatever. And she even said, like, I stitched up 12 people today. Like, it was this guy who did not handle a powerful woman. And he lost his job. So he needed an excuse. Mm-hmm. And he was... It was like, he needed an excuse to be the man. Mm -hmm. He couldn't deal with it. And that, that was the flaw of, of his character. And, you know, of course, Frank was profiting off this in some way. Yeah, because he... Harry Styles was like, I have to work in the real world to be able to afford this. And I hate being in the real world and I come home every night to this and he's got this big beautiful house when they live in a shithole in Philadelphia and yes but it, again it's like you know she didn't make that choice it's not like it, it, the thing is that the if the roles were reversed he would be equally as mad because mm -hmm. you know you're you're being coursed into doing something that you have no idea you're mm -hmm. doing and that's like sort of the end when the rest of the women there they started realizing they started being like because that was the one thing I th oh oh at that dinner party and she was trying to like bring it to light like 
Mm-hmm. It's very interesting that all the women are from Baltimore, Philadelphia, or right. Chicago. And, and that's what she was trying to do. It was like, well, what, where, where would you live before that? And they couldn't answer. Mm-hmm. No one could answer that. How did you meet him? And she's like, oh, isn't that how so-and-so met their husband? And it was like everything was almost like programmed into these women's brains. Yeah, because they were to- basically told mm-hmm. yeah, to they're, think they're, a certain they're under way. hypnotism right. or some shit. Exactly. That's what the doctor was there, the ther- psychotherapist. So yeah, it's it's pretty crazy. Um, those... Maybe it just makes me think so much that I I need to watch it again. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe. All right. All right. Our next block of music. Uh, we're kicking it off with some new stuff from Rogo Johansson. This is the Creepers are coming.
DJ Anubis here, and I want to say if you dig all things Godzilla and KG related, then check out the YouTube channel of the Sci-Fi Century. He has great reviews, opinions, and theories in the world of sci-fi horror, anime, and of course everyone's favorite atomic breathing lizard, Godzilla. Century provides great commentary when both having a special guest on his shows as well as the collaborations with the big teddy bear, that fat samurai guy. So if you want to keep it raw, real, tune into the Sci-Fi Century. That's S-C-I-F-I-S-E-N-T-R-Y Sci-Fi Century Tune in to get the best in science fiction and Godzilla related information Peace Alright Alright Talk a little bit about Metallica And one of the best albums ever written It is and uh, I, I, I don't even know how, I don't want to say I forgot about it, but like I was saying in our intro earlier, it's, this, this album has gotten a lot of reinvigoration from Stranger Things. Right. It really has. It's introduced younger people to it who um, maybe just kind of in passing heard a song or two. But, yeah, right. I started seeing a lot more reaction videos and stuff about it. And... Oh my God, Eddie Munson playing the the uh, the solo. Yes, good. I fuck. I loved this season of Stranger Things. So anything to get more exposure to the metal world, I'm all I'm all for. But right. I um when I was working on one of those videos for you, the the thrash, um. What song was it? Disposable Heroes? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that you, you picked. I started, like... My brain just kind of went one way. Um, first, it started thinking, like, just listening to that, that song. It reminded me a lot of the 70s. Like, especially Credence, when they were... Um, they were writing their songs, but they were kind of like protest songs for for the Vietnam War. Right. And I'm like, I'm wondering if Metallica, maybe unknowingly or even knowingly, was using some of that as their inspiration. I mean, it doesn't sound like a Creedence song, and the lyrics are not the same as a Creedence song, but... You know, you're you're looking at the lyrics to Disposable Heroes, and I mean, I got pulled pull them up right here. Um, you know, it really sounds like something. If it wasn't, if you would just give someone these lyrics, right? You could almost put it at like, yeah, this sounds like a Vietnam era song, mm -hmm. and because you know, it really wasn't we think about the Vietnam War now because we're adults and it was so long ago and it ended so long ago. But in 86, it wasn't really that long since Vietnam ended. 
So I'm wondering, this is, this is how this whole thing started in my head. I'm wondering if they started taking a little bit of inspiration from that. And I, again, I started Googling where did Metallica get their inspiration for Master of Puppets and what their, I guess, official um, statement, I don't know what you would call it, is a lot of the songs are written in a sense of uh, drug abuse. Um, or... And uh, depression and suicide. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's, that's like, the theme that they were going for. And th th that's what they say that they were going for. So that's why I think maybe unintentionally they were also pulling some um, inspiration off of these, you know, 60s and 70s protest songs that, that came out about the Vietnam War. Because let's also go to Ride the Lightning when one, you know... Well, that was Ride the Lightning, right? No, it's Justice. Um, Justice for All, sorry. When You're one, probably thinking of Fade to Black from Ride the Lightning. So you think of Fade to Black, and then you think of One from Injustice for All, and they're all like warish songs, but they can also be the war internally. Mm-hmm, yeah. Right? The inner demons, yeah. So I started thinking... To myself, reading these these I ha, I saved it. I printed, copied and pasted in a word document, all of the lyrics from Master of Puppets, and I'm I'm reading like what what the lyrics say literally, but I'm also reading like figuratively in my mind. Okay, so um, especially Master of Puppets, you know. I'm pulling your strings. They're they're saying that is the drug abuse taking over your body and the addiction. And I'm like, yeah, I can totally see that. But I'm also like thinking, Master of Puppets, I'm pulling your strings. That could be like the US government mm -hmm, that mm -hmm. is forcing you to enlist. Yeah. And the draft. And I'm like, you could just see this could have been written. In the 70s, but maybe not, like, in a heavy metal way. Like, you could hear someone else in that time frame maybe not write this heavy-hitting song. Maybe it's more of a folk song. And you're singing it, and you're like, fuck these puppets. Oh, yeah, war. You know, like, this is not the way. And I, I did not know if I was the only one in the world who thought that. Like, I felt like Master of Puppets was totally inspired by a lot of the 60s and 70s um, Vietnam propaganda anti-war songs. And I don't know if you ever got that the way that I... I mean, I was like... I, I mean, Disposable Heroes is, is definitely almost literal. Right, right. But you, you pair that with the lyrics to, um, you know, like, Sanitarium mm -hmm. as well. Like, you know, you know, Sanitarium, Leave Me Alone, Just Leave Me Alone. Um, I mean, Sanitarium could almost be about PTSD. Like, there's a lot going on in there. And like you said, it, it's all surround or centered around... 
uh, inner demons and stuff. So yeah, yeah. Initially, sleep, master of puppets. Sleep, I, my friend, and you will see the dream is my reality. They keep me locked up in this cage. Can't they see? It's why my brain says rage. Right. Perfect PTSD. Mm-hmm. I I don't know if Metallica intentionally made this this way, or if I'm you like really reaching for, um, you know that connection but I just really started digging deep into these lyrics and besides like what they they say you know it's about drug addiction it's about you know inner demons it's about depression and suicide I was I started really visualizing the the 70s and and late 60s 70s and the um Vietnam songs and right. maybe I don't know if you've ever kind of pieced that together. What What do you think? Well, I never really thought about the seventies. I mean, obviously, not the style of the music, but the lyrics. No, yeah, I mean, anti-war songs. It's all. I don't know. Again, I don't know if it's so much uh, influenced by it, but they have the same thing to say. Uh, you know, just a different time period. Mm-hmm. But. Uh, yeah, I mean, in a lot of ways, you could look at Master of Puppets with a lot of songs there, and they can definitely fit the need of being uh, anti-war anthems. So, like, is, uh, what's it, For What It's Worth by Buffalo Springfield mm-hmm. and, and stuff like that. So I get that, certainly. It's so crazy. I mean, the interesting thing about the album overall, like, I remember one particular person, friend of ours, who... Uh, kind of looked back on Master of Puppets and said that he thought that the album was actually overrated. And I thought, no, I don't feel that way. But I never really broke it down until more recently because this was said something said to me many years ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I went back and looked at Master of Puppets and listened to it, you know, like, you know, it's funny. You can listen to an album like a hundred times, but the one time you go back and you just kind of like fully dissect mm-hmm. it, you come out with it with something newer. And so when I think about it and how where we're at with Metallica now, like they're more rock, mainstream rock oriented. They don't really get elaborate with their songs. Their songs are like three to four minute long. Mm-hmm. Whereas, Whereas this, it was everything was like seven, eight minutes long each, each right. song. And it was very elaborate. And then even stuff, songs like Orion, which is a little bit more progressive. You hear Cliff Burton's bass playing. Mm-hmm. And it, it's really... It's not a wankery type of progression, but it's it's enough in there that's like, oh, they were really doing different things within those songs. So Master of Puppets starts out pretty heavy, gets in there, and then about midway through, you've got like a little bit of a solo and it slows down mm-hmm. and it kind of picks back up. And so a lot of the songs in that record do the similar thing. I mean, some are a little more straightforward, like Battery or Damage Incorporated, but I took like three quotes from three different articles as they were kind of looking back at the album as well. And Loudwire, basically, there was two things. One, it says, it's all killer and no filler. That's true. There's not a bad song on Mm-mm. that record. But then they say, Inner Sandman and Nothing Else Matters get all the YouTube and streaming love, but those hits reach beyond Metallica diehards to the greater public. That's true. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's all well and good, of course, but Master of Puppets is the song historians, or is yeah, is the song that historians should bury in the time capsule and launch into space as the definitive single track example of what Metallica is all about. And I believe there with that. I do too. Uh, 
UltimateClassicRock.com said, Master of Puppets would change all that. Amazingly, it did so without trying to ape commercial trends, never mind appeasing Metallica's new major label, Letra, Re Letra Records. Instead, this album simply followed the natural progression of the band's evolutionary curve, producing a set of songs both striking and diverse that simply turned out bigger, heavier, and altogether better than their predecessors. True. True. I oftentimes talk to people who say, well, Ride of Lightning is my favorite record, and I like that record a lot. I love Kill em All. But Master of Puppets, to me, was like the evolution and what really mastered everything they were already doing. This is why when Justice came out, it has a couple songs here and there I like, but as an album, I don't like it as much as Master. I feel like Master, um, it, it's, I hate calling it, saying conceptual, but like, it feels like complete. Mm -hmm. Does that, does that make sense? Like, when you're looking at um, Ride the Lightning, or you're looking at Injustice for All, or even the Black Album, think about what's on each album and I feel like the songs are different. Right. Whereas Master of Puppets, everything kind of flows. Right. It's meant to be together. It is orchestrated like they sat down and said, this goes first through right. like it's perfectly placed it has the right like this is the opener this is the closer kind of thing and there's not a lot of bands that can do that you know you you put out an album sometimes you're lucky if you get a song that that's is amazing but you take master of puppets it's unbelievably complex you know not just in its writing I mean, I, I'm sitting here looking through the lyrics and I'm like, man, you could just pull out so many meanings and, you know, maybe it's unintentional by Metallica, but for me, if, if you are a, a person who is into lyrics and into poetry, you're gonna say to yourself, wow, how does, where does this come from? This, they're speaking to me right now. I'm, I'm down and depressed, but I'm you know, you know, dealing out of the agony within, like that, that could speak to PTSD. It could speak to depression. It could speak to someone who maybe lost a baby. Any, you know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. anything mm -hmm. that is going on with your life. I feel like Master of Puppets has been able to take darker themes and then pair it with some phenomenal you know musical writing and and musicianship so they're faster they're harder they're they're pulling together their as a band completeness and and the other thing that always kind of surrounds it is um the bus crash right you know right. you're you're just like so it's one of those unicorn albums that's that's out there, and there's not many. You know, you throw maybe Nirvana's Never Nevermind, or... Um, well, that's been a topic about, like, on Broncos forums, we've been talking about what is the who is the greatest American rock band. 
and Mattel gets brought up for a different reason because the name you you hear the name you say oh yeah I know who that is mm-hmm. you don't even have to be a fan of the band and you Mattel. just know who it is but you know one of my arguments has always been well you're talking rock so are we talking rock or are we talking metal because there are two different bands uh, but yet they are still a staple of American society you know who they are Nirvana mm-hmm. uh, is another one that comes up that you know do they have the longevity. Well, they can't. But. Right, but I'm saying like if like now I, I I've been telling people I'm like I like Nirvana, but I would say that in terms of greatness, Foo Fighters is bigger than they are. Oh, they are bigger. But people still, especially commercially, bigger. right? But people still buy Nirvana shirts, so it's like there's these varying arguments and debates about it. Uh, I had the guy that's kind of running this topic. He's he recently been diving into a lot of the back catalogs. So he's like his recent one's been Journey. Like, you know how I feel about Journey. And he's like, wow, you know, he, he actually came out of it. He's saying, I think there's a great argument that Journey is the best American rock band. But everyone's going to have different opinions because it's all subjective. But, uh, like, I wouldn't name Metallica or Nirvana as either one because there's dish, there's different issues with each one of them. However, it's not really applying to this. Because this record, to me, like, from all the people that always say that they like Kill Em All the Best or Ride the Lightning or even Justice, none of those records, to me, are as great as this one is. Mm-hmm. And it's not to slight the other ones, because I do like them on a varying degrees, but... But it's a completeness. Right. Something about this album has a completeness. Again... And you don't really find any of that genius writing in Metallica's recent stuff. Like, ever since they went rock, it, it, they sing about stuff that's important to them, but it's not written in a way that's written like this. So I, even even in the interviews they were doing, when they asked Kirk Hammett what his favorite record is, he says it's Master Puppets. Mm-hmm. So I just, yeah, it's it's just a timeless record that, and it's very relevant even today. Like, you can listen to it and it still applies to stuff that goes on today. They, I feel like they wrote this album to speak to their listener. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. And it, it's, it's going to apply to you for whatever you're going through at the time. I might be listening to this and it could be, like, you know, bad bad time at work or it could be like I'm dealing with the death of a loved one or maybe I am reading it literally and I am a soldier and I'm reading these and I'm like wow this is really what they have done to soldiers you know in the past or even now like they I feel like they kept it ambiguous enough so that their their take on it was you know it was mostly about drug abuse depression and suicide but yeah it's about that but it's also enough for someone who is not going through any of that that they can take the lyrics and and take them to heart and and really feel it backed by an amazing score mm-hmm. it's it's something that I I just I, I I I was just like blown away. I forgot I forgot how great this album was. And I, I know you're not supposed to forget about great albums. Like this was not my first introduction to um no, Metallica. It was Injustice, right? Yeah, it was Injustice. It was Injustice 
from the one video. Right. That I saw. And it was... One, yeah. Yeah, one. The one, the video right. <laughs> on, on uh, Headbangers Ball or whatever. And but, that's a deep track because, mm-hmm. like, you watch the video, they take the footage from Johnny Got His Gun, mm-hmm. and then, like, you listen to the lyrics, and it's deep, and it's about war, and it's about sacrifice. And so it, it got him attention, and then from there, Metallica kind of just said, well, they did the Black Album, which was a little more mainstream. And that was in 91, right? The Black right, Album. Right. So this was around, 91 is about the time I discovered Metallica, but not through the black album right i discovered it again you know i used to walk up to the cd store when it was still here and uh <laughs> when i was a kid and i i got and justice for all was my first metallica album and it was around 91 i was in middle school but as i was discovering and justice for all it all of the stuff from the Black Album came out. And I liked it. Like, I, I, I liked it, too. It's easy for, like, an 11, 12-year-old to really start digging Enter Sandman. It's catchy. It's fun. Right. And I also had Injustice for All, so I went and bought the Black Album, too. I didn't really hit up Master of Puppets until I was strongly into high school. So you're talking 10 years later that I... I went into Master of Puppets. And it's not like because nowadays if if you want to listen to Master of Puppets, you go Google Master of Puppets, YouTube Master of Puppets, and you can listen to the song or you can go on Pandora, Spotify, or any of those things and you can easily just hear it. When we were younger, you had to make a little effort. You had to either hear it on the radio or you had to go to the store and um, I I think it maybe maybe it was disposable heroes or sanitarium or battery like the the one of those were it was even before master of puppets mm-hmm. i heard because i was always very into watching headbangers ball or like the late shows on mtv and they tried to do like the deeper cuts on those shows so i saw that and of course i by that time I don't know, I might, might have had a driver's license by then. And I, I, I bought Master of Puppets when I was in high school. And you were in high school when you bought Master of Puppets, too. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, and for me, one thing that really draws me to metal isn't just, you know, it, it really is the sound. Like, I, I love, there are so many different ways that metal can sound. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got the industrial, you've even got like the new metal with the rap and, and rock metal kind of going on at the same time. So I've always really just, I think when I first was exposed to Master of Puppets, I didn't even care about the lyrics. It was just about the really fast sound and like everything just sounded like an incredible thrash album, which it is. Now... Uh, when I started, um, when I listened to Disposable Heroes and uh, the other day when you wanted me to work on that, that video Top for you, five, yeah, yeah, I listened to it and I'm like, maybe there's more to the album than, than meets the eye. It's really just 
I mean, you you put it. It's it. There's not a lot of like perfect unicorn albums out there, and this is one of them. Like, I what's another? It doesn't have to be metal, but like for you, or Michael Jackson's Thriller. So, well, I wasn't gonna. I love how you go to pop right away. I go to more like Van Halen, nineteen eighty four. Exactly. Like, you know? like you think of these albums that, you know, Metallica making billions of dollars but master of puppets is there same thing with 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 michael jackson or with van halen michael jackson had more money than god right but 1983 thriller even though he had a million other albums people just always went back Mm -hmm. to that Mm -hmm. and i think that's what happens with metallica they're like i always will as a metallica fan go back Van Halen, you're like, hmm, 1984. You start thinking about what's on that album, and you're like, crap, that was an amazing album. Yes, there's other albums, but that's the album that you're like, this is what shaped that band. This is what is the cohesiveness and turn that band from just being like Van Halen to like, because uh, when was how long was Sammy Hagar with them? Like, I mean, it was the yeah, early nineties, yeah. yeah. So you even have all of that, and these are high-selling albums with good songs, lots of singles. But you're like, okay, let me rewind back to Van Halen, and you can think of the picture uh, on the, you know, mm-hmm. with the kid. Uh, you think of the picture, and you're like, that is what turned Van Halen into Van Halen. Same thing with. Metallica like I I honestly again just going with lyrics alone if you could if you took that and just printed it out and called it a poetry album or, or made it into a book or just gave the lyrics to somebody to read especially if they don't know enough about Metallica to know like it was a song People will pull something emotionally mm-hmm. out of it. Yeah. Another thing that you and I um, had discussed, and you started touching on it, um, was the progressive nature of this album. Um, you could, you, you said, you could hear in a lot of the songs the influence, and you often wondered um, where it would be. If Cliff's still if Cliff alive, was yeah. still alive, mm-hmm. because you could he I'm looking at the um what do they call like writing credits yeah and like okay Master of Puppets they gave it they put Cliff on there Kirk Hammett um, Hetfield Arch but Burton's on Orion which was the instrumental and he was on Damage Incorporated. So he really had started having an impact um, on the music itself. And he was a more progressive force that kind of, you know, took this album from maybe just being fast and thrashy to, um, I would say important. Yeah. So, yeah. So the best ever. Maybe I just, this is out to the fans or whoever wants to comment. Maybe I am 
really just overanalyzing everything about this album. No, but it needs to be because people often forget. I mean, it's always... People are always going to have their favorite records. It doesn't matter what it is. But this is the other thing, too. This is not... This is a good album, but it's not like if I would, like, list my... It's not one of my, like, favorite favorites. But it's great now, even more so, that I've really dug deep... Yeah, reevaluated and dug deep into my heart with these lyrics. And I don't know if you've ever done this before, um... On a lot of music albums, um, excuse me, uh, like music players, even in the 90s, there was a way you could like mute the um, the vocals mm-hmm. so they'd be quieter. Just doing that with this album, I don't mean these easier ways. You can look up instrumentals now, but right. like, back in the day, there was like a little button on your stereo that said like, you know, instrumental only, and it would you could hardly hear. Do that with this too. Man, I I don't have enough great things to say. I mean, maybe I do have enough great things to say about Master of Puppets, but I um I'm really glad that you let me talk about this because shit. I I thought I was I don't want to say losing my mind, but the more I was reading the lyrics, I um I really felt like Metallica wanted to speak to each individual person listening to the album. It didn't matter if you were a mom or a student or maybe you are a crack addict living on the street or whatever your situation. They wrote the song, each song for you to interpret it the way that you need it to be interpreted and I That's was, good songwriting. That's, that's what, what I mean. Like, to, I, I'm, so. I'm thinking about it right now, and I'm like, oh. so this revisit has taken this album and put it in, like, a favorite album category, where before it was in, like, good al- good songs, etc. Like, yeah, I'll turn on something thrashy if I want to, like, take a jog. But this, I don't know why. Maybe I should do this more with some of my, my favorite songs and favorite albums or even stuff that I consider good mm-hmm. and and revisit it because I I, I mean I, I'm, not, I'm not late to the game because I've listened to Metallica for years so any any your final thoughts no I agree it's one of my favorites of all time that's why I was number two <laughs> on my list so <laughs> all right all right well, let's get back into the music what do we have coming next uh, I got some trunk from Metal Devastation Radio, Unchristian Christian from Grand Sounds, and here's some more Metal Devastation Radio uh, from Rising Fall, English Motorbike.
getting ready to head out of here for the evening. Neko is busy doing some, uh, getting ready for dinner, I think, or checking on some laundry. We got a lot of stuff to do since she got back, but, um, it's good to have her back, at least for a little while. I think she'll be here for at least another month, so then before she has to head out again, but, uh, we'll have a few shows for you all. A few videos, if you haven't checked it out, we got an unboxing I just did uh, that she got me some stuff today, so... Most certainly, uh, much appreciated uh, for the support, uh, the music, as well as the labels. I just put up uh, a new uh, spotlight segment for all the promotion sites, labels, and independent artists. So be sure to check that out and get support to those bands. And as always, thank you all for tuning in. Got one last track for you. Democracy, new stuff for them. This is Novum Dogma.